How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Waterfowl 365, presented by BTBN. I am your host, Chris Adams. However you're listening to this thing, whether it be iTunes, Podbean app, whatever it is, make sure you hit that subscribe. And if you'd do me a favor and go ahead and leave a review on there, it uh, it helps our numbers and helps more people get to hear this thing, and I really appreciate the feedback. If you're not following along with us on social media, check out BTBN, Facebook, Instagram, all of those good things. You'll catch, you'll see, catch up, catch, whatever. You'll see all the things that we're doing and uh, find out who's coming up next and uh, all that good stuff. So if you want to get yourself a paperweight of a duck call, check out Unstable Calls, Instagram and Facebook, and you'll have something nice to hang on your lanyard, maybe kill a few ducks with it. If not, you'll just hold down a stack of paper on your desk and look real nice. Yeah, let's see if I can do better than fumbling through the rest of uh, the podcast like I did the intro so far. Um, we got a guy who hasn't been on in almost 90 episodes. We're coming up on 100. I think this is episode 97. So here in the next week or so, we will be at that 100 mark. It's crazy to look back at the numbers and see how many downloads, how many subscribers, all of that good stuff that we've had. It's just kind of uh, mind-blowing to still be doing this thing 100 episodes in. So very, very cool, and it's been a lot of fun throughout the journey. Um, So without any further ado, let's bring Mr. Heil Robbins back onto the podcast. Great call maker out of Tennessee. And I think he was episode number nine. So uh, it's been a minute. Without any further ado, Mr. Heil Robbins. Heil, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Good, good deal. Good. You, you said you got all your work done this morning already, huh? Yeah, yeah. We, we had a bunch of moving stuff. And I actually got to go scouting a little bit. And I was pretty excited about that. What, were you, what were you scouting for? Some uh, geese. Some geese. Yep. I was, uh... September 1st. You guys do September 1st? Yep. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty nice for for geese, anyway. Yeah, we're not until the 3rd of October, man. Ooh. Yeah, that would, uh... I think that October season, too, but that would be... That'd be rough, man. Well, and I remember listening to our last podcast, and it was back in April of 2020, and... We were talking about geese, and uh, you said, yeah, I don't mess with those things too much because they're a big hassle, and you were talking about neck collar geese and all that stuff, but you're back on the geese train. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a bad drug, man. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, I, don't, I don't really want to hunt them, but it ends up that, you know, there I am every morning during mid-August looking around for I don't know what reason. I know where they're going to be now, <laughs> but yeah, that's just how it is, I guess. We can't help it. With your guys' landscape, do you get, uh, like in the train and stuff, do you get any blue-winged teal through September, or do you guys have a season? Yeah, they, they, uh, we have a blue-winged season. It's in September. It's like the second weekend, but in this area, man, it's like uh, they're here. They're going to be here on September 1st, probably, and um, come, what is it, September 
ninth or whatever the next weekend is, yeah, they're gone. <laughs> they'll never stick around. <laughs> we do have wood duck though, so that's really that's that's kind of fun, I guess. We're like um, we can only shoot like two of them, so it's kind of it's kind of a quick hunt, but which doesn't bother me because you know mosquitoes are out like ridiculous. So well, I like to get in and get out as fast as possible, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you, man. And it's funny. You know, you guys are about the same longitude, latitude, whatever. The You're about the same distance as I am here in southern Missouri, uh, north, south, whatever that means. But um, <laughs> you guys are like the same. And uh, you were talking about blue-winged teal. And the scouting for blue-winged teal, the only thing you can ever do is scouting blue-winged teal, at least up in where we're at and not like down south in Louisiana and Texas where they hang out, is... Uh, just check the water conditions and see what, you know, the flooding's like and all that stuff. And Because the, it never fails when I go scouting and it's loaded and it's like, all right, sweet. You know, everybody's a normal duck season or goose. You're like, hey, I'm going to hunt tomorrow. It's going to be a bang-up day. For blue-winged teal, if you see a bunch of birds while you're scouting, you should have been hunting that day because they're going to be gone tomorrow. 100%. That's how it is here. And it's, there's probably one spot that historically gets them. And I guarantee you, if you go there, four thirty on the second weekend till, there will be somebody sitting there every time. <laughs> Guaranteed. And but they'll shoot them. Uh, it's happened. My buddy went and did it. He went and beat everybody out to it. He's he shot the past couple of years out there, and he doesn't even. He goes hunting about twice a year. And that's one of his hunts. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's a good one to go hunting on because when they're there, it's one of my favorite hunts. You know because it's done in twenty minutes. You know, by 8.30, 30 minutes after legal, whenever that is, it uh, it's over, man. You, you know, I'm not hanging out all day. If there's not birds in the decoys before shooting time, then it's not going to be a good day. It's, it's, it's going to be, uh, you're shooting off at a bunch of mosquitoes, probably. Yeah. And getting mad. <laughs> shooting some dove. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're pretty excited about. We, we absolutely destroyed some doves last year, man. It was pretty bad. Like, we had this little spot. It's literally my parents' front yard. And I swear, I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened, but we killed probably, I don't know, man. No, there's a ton of us there, so it was, I mean, it was all right. But we probably shot like 270 over like an acre. It's crazy. Dude, that's my favorite. One of uh, my best buddies, his house has two or three acres on the side of it. And uh, every year we'll, you know, drop cheap seed and all that stuff and let it grow. And like I said on the last one, I'm not a farmer. I don't know what the hell he drops. But then we he just burned it off uh, this last week because we got a little bit of moisture so we could burn. And uh, that's the way we've always done it, dude. We had one morning, opening morning a couple seasons ago. It was like 150 in the first two hours and then the next day we went and beat the crap out of them and it's on two acres you know you got to walk out that's that's awesome that's the best dude and you get people like we have a really popular spot to go and it's probably 30 miles from where i'm at now and that's where it's public hunting and that's where everybody's at you're gonna get peppered there's never any birds (laughs) up there they just avoid the area altogether you know like a sun a sun uh flower field that they you know, do all yeah. that crap, and there's just nothing. And all my buddies that don't get to go hunt at this spot, 
They're like, hey, where are you going? And I'm like, uh, or they'll see a picture or something like that. And they're like, damn, man, where'd you shoot all those? And I'm like, uh, you know, right at the buddy's house. <laughs> oh, do you think I can get an invite? I'm like, dude, that's not my call. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Speaking of getting peppered, man. Like, it's on an acre, and it's like a little horseshoe. They just come in. Well, we're set up in a horseshoe, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, there, was like, there was like a little, I guess there was a low barrier or something, and my uncle got hit right between the eyes, and he was bleeding. I was like, oh, dang, well, we're going to have to quit doing that. Dude, but, that is no joke, especially on an acre. Like, I, I do not I, like going yeah. public hunting for a dove just because it is so damn sketchy. <laughs> and it just, it drives me nuts. You know, there's, we went one time up to uh, the lake around us. There's a big refuge area up there that they open for dove season. And there's quite a few dove up there. But, dude, there is probably 40, 50 freaking trucks in the oh. parking lot. And... It was just humor. It turned from hunting because we had no shot of actual hunting whatsoever. Because you're just all standing in lines like a shooting line, and uh, it just become watching everybody. You know, a dove fly down the line, and people just boom, 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 miss, and just start laughing, and you know, treat it like you're a major league umpire. Like, oh, just a bit outside. Yeah, dude. That's all. I'll probably seriously shoot at them until I. Like, if there's, like, a group of, say, we'll get groups of about 20 or 25 that'll come that little horseshoe, and it's just, it's crazy. I like to try and shoot them, but if it's, like, a two or three group, I won't even shoot. I'll just start yelling. I don't, like, I'm not even sure I yell, but I just start screaming just because I think it's just funny. <laughs> but, I mean, we're all just lined up, and they're just, they have no chance of getting out. It's ridiculous. It's it's probably, it's one of the meanest things I've ever ever done, honestly. It's kind of, it's kind of bad. <laughs> now, do you guys, uh... You guys open the first, I assume, of September. Yeah, but we usually like to hold it off until everybody can come down because we, like, I, we're not sure because we we usually have a good amount of birds and we want to shoot that good amount of birds pretty good. So I invite some buddies from out of town and all from college and all that. And they love it. It's awesome. It's a, it's a really good time. Nice man. I was gonna say I was a. Uh... I was just at freaking Bass Pro the other day, and uh, good luck finding freaking ammo. It is. If you want to get rifle ammo, handgun ammo, it's everywhere. If you want to get freaking shotgun shells, they're non-existent. Yeah, yeah, man. I had to, I ordered some 12-gauge, like a whole case from Rogers. It was like $120, and that was kind of steep, I thought. Cause like I'm pretty sure last year I bought one and it was like sixty bucks. So I wasn't too happy about that, but I guess I got some shells, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's better to have them, you know, and freaking not need them and be able to use them the next year. But yeah, it is, it's crazy with how materials gone. I just commented on somebody's post today that uh, it was Tyler Christian. He was pulling a bunch of barrels out of uh, velvet oil. And I was like, dude, that velvet oil is worth its weight in gold right now because you cannot find anywhere to get any more. And I was starting to look, and, like, mine's starting to run, you know, low. Oh. What is it so you run velvet oil on all your calls? On all my uh, non-CA finish calls, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never even tried it, honestly. I've never seen it in person to buy it, so I just haven't felt the need. I just use uh, some teak oil. <laughs> I like teak <laughs> as well. I like the velvet um I, I ran i did teak for five years and the last year i've switched up to velvet and it creates like a nice like uh, i don't know like a slurry cake layer once you're uh sanding with it 
Like, I'll, yeah. what I'll do on a wood call, and we'll get in call making stuff. Here you go. Um, which is just the way that I do it. It's not right, wrong, indifferent. I don't know. I just figured it out. Is I'll sand the wood call up to like 600 grain, roughly, you know, working it through the steps. And then I'll hit it with three or four layers of CA just to fill in voids. And then I'll yeah. go back through and run it through the layers up to like six, eight hundred with velvet oil as a, you know, like a lubricant Michael. while sanding. Yeah. And I'll take a clean rag in between each uh, grit and I'll clean all that crap off. And then I'll move on to the next one and clean all that crap off. And it seems to really, really fill in all the voids and just makes a, I don't know, man. I, I really like it as a, uh, as a finish. Then obviously I'll dip it and, or, uh, I'll, uh, leave it in overnight to soak and then pull it out the next day, dry it off. Dude, it's, it's a really, really solid finish. I was really impressed with it. So I did something I free. It's pretty similar to that, except for I usually, depending on if it's like a, say if it's Coca Cola, pretty dense, you know, it's going to shine up real easy. I just, I'll start it out with like, what you're saying, wet sand in it with oil and just have like the oil on the rag and just sit there and hold it just like you would I don't know it's uh, it's really similar to what you're saying are you talking yeah. about at like a yeah. full speed or a low speed full speed <laughs> full speed okay so have you ever heard of the term burnishing uh no but I, I, yeah I have I think that's probably what I'm doing because it gets a little warm and that's that's probably why it works but that's all I do on my calls I'll Maybe like 320 up to a thousand or 2000 if I feel like it. Okay, yeah. so here's here's something I, I learned from Aaron Winger a long time ago is if you want to do it that way, you run teak oil, is what you said, right? Yep. Teak, okay. I can't remember if teak is the one that doesn't dry on Coca-Cola, oily woods, or not. Or though no, that's tongue I'm thinking of. Okay, so for teak, what I would do is do what you're doing. But I would do that after letting it soak because teak is a penetrating oil finish. So you want to put the part into the oil and let it soak for a couple hours, pull it out, let it dry, and then run run it through your process so you can get that nice burnished finish. But you'll also get it to penetrate through so you'll actually get the protection. Because when you're burnishing, it's not letting the teak penetrate through the wood. Okay. Well, that's something to think about, I guess. You might, yeah. You might mess. You might message Aaron and uh, Aaron Winger and ask him about. Dude, he's the finish master, and he saved me more money and time that I could count. But I'm, I'm pretty positive that uh, that burnish doesn't let it actually penetrate the uh, penetrate the call. Well, I'll have to look into that a little bit. Um, yeah, he's definitely got the finish down. That's that's where I learned to see A with his YouTube videos. Honestly, I mean that's been having practice a bunch, but <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't messed with CA in a little bit just because I don't know. I don't really have an air conditioner in my shop, garage, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so if it's too cold, CA doesn't like that. It's too hot, and I just don't want to see stand out there and clear it. <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> I did. Uh... My first CA finish in like three months this morning before it got hot. And yeah, it is a nightmare. In the wintertime, I'll freaking have to pull that stuff inside and bring it back out to the shop garage combo like you were talking about to do yeah, any yeah, type yeah. of finishing. I'll, I'll learn the hard way. That's, that's not, you don't want to do it when it's cold or it's going to 
It's not really dry. Yeah, it, fog, it gives you a little foggy appearance, and you're like, it's ah, son it, of a gun. It didn't want to drop, and hey, it was, it was really weird. I don't know what's going on with it. Were you using, do you use, like, an accelerator, too? Yeah. Man, that's I, weird. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I know so, that stuff uh, could be super temperamental. Yeah, so, I like a good old finish. That's, I'm, really, I'm looking at the car right now that it happened to me on, because it was one I was going to keep. It's like an African blackwood burl, and I was wanting it to be CA, but it's, uh, it's a little finished now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way. Well, whatever you do with uh, the burnishing, finishing it up, it looks good, man. I'm just thinking of that... Uh, that penetrating yeah. so i don't want it to seem like i'm uh saying it doesn't no. look good. it looks good i just want the the interior no, i thought about it and it's it, i don't know i can't i can't decide but i might have to start doing a little soak on because i don't even i haven't soaked them but i've i've got ones that i've i've done that process to mm-hmm. i've hunted it all year and they look the exact same just, just as good as shine it was i don't know why it does it but um I, I guess where it does heat up a little bit, it gets just just enough maybe to be inside the wood, but just like a, almost like a CA layer, but with all that would make sense. Dude, what about inside the uh, the barrel? I I usually just wipe a little bit inside. The okay, barrel. so you're getting a little bit of oil in there. I know uh, doing uh, BLO oil, boiled linseed, is another good one for inside or like the tone board, just to get a yeah. little more surface uh, protection on there. Yeah, I've used a little bit of that. I used a lot of it whenever I started and didn't know what I was doing, obviously. But, <laughs> but <laughs> It's the easiest to like get, man. Yeah, it is. It is, for sure. And, uh, I mean, Tico isn't too bad to get for me. But I might have to look into the bill, but let's... I thought about it, but like, if you're saying it's pretty hard to get, I not. <laughs> Normally, when I ordered my last one, it's easy. You order it, and it's there. Like, which I'm surprised they're able to ship it in the mail, like through USPS. Because when you go to send calls out, they're always like, "Do you have anything flammable, hazardous, blah blah blah?" No. But then, you know, it's like, how did they ship oil to me just through the regular post office? But uh, normally, it's not hard, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I just. All this, all this stuff is slowing out all the production and finding everything, finding materials. It's just, it's ridiculous, honestly. It's, it's making it hard on the little guy for sure. Yeah. Well, and you said uh, you were messaging me earlier. You work for yourself, right? I do. I did just D- recently. Do. Nice. Well, so yeah. did you start it during the pandemic? Uh, I mean, it's, it's still starting. <laughs> well, you know. I don't think, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so I got a I had a job with uh, a little construction company and we uh, we worked during it and it wasn't it's not really that as big of a deal around here people are not as wild about it I guess you'd say so I mean I, I never really noticed it <laughs> I mean honestly people people here are building like crazy so it's it's been done nothing but help construction around here so is that what you're doing now is construction work like uh, for your business yeah, kinda yeah like a remodel type situation or uh it's more like for like exteriors like side and then i help my brother with his guttering business and that's all it's everybody is ready for it i don't know how or where they're getting all their their money from but they're ready i guess because they're we've had an insane amount of people moving in and it's 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 crazy there's new people moving in every day all these houses that are they'll, they'll go for sale and be sold within an hour or two 
It's pretty wild, honestly. Yeah, it is. That is freaking nuts, man. Like, I uh, I was just thinking, you were talking about starting a business and in construction. I was like, dude, that is a, uh, like, all that cost, you know, with all the pandemic and everything going crazy high up and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. It's not even, you know, you're getting charged twice as much for a job because it's costing yeah. the freaking contractor twice as much to get you materials. Like, it's just, it's a weird time. Yeah, but flip side of that they, I reckon from what I understand that interest rates that people are getting on their houses are rock bottom like they've not seen this so they're I mean they're going to pay for it eventually but I mean if it say if their interest rates are really high the materials are going to be really low so it's just whatever you want to do it's, well, it's going to be one or the other around here for one of the craziest gigs that you can be into right now is already owning a bunch of real estate um, not just selling it off for the high prices right now, but like owning rental houses, if you had it before, what uh, a lot of people are doing is taking advantage of the record low interest, refinancing their freaking loan on their rental property, and say they're, you know, they have a $600, $700 mortgage on a rental property and they're renting that house out for $1,300, $1,400. Well, they're going and getting a new loan with crazy low interest on their property and dropping their mortgage down to $400 and still renting it out for $1,400. It's crazy right now with that stuff. Yeah, for sure, man. It's it's almost, it's it's more than I could take. You know, I, I, did, I grew up a little bit around some properties and, you know, selling a little bit, but not like, nothing like going on now for sure. It's, it's pretty wild. It's weird. Um, did it, uh, did it affect your not business wise, but all this, all this nonsense going on with like hunting season last year. Were you uh, super busy with like all the different work since you said it was construction based and you know you've got hunting season? Did it make hunting season weird? Uh, well, I mean, it would have if if there would have been ducks here, but <laughs> over here there wasn't any. And I, when I say there wasn't any, I mean there wasn't any. It was it's pretty bad, pretty poor, really, but worst season i've ever seen honestly man i've talked to guys from all over the country and it is the same everywhere it it was by far the worst um i think only what duck hunting specifically a couple times last year and you know went honker hunting far more but it was like oh the the geese are being weird and stagnant and you know they're just walking out of the pond and eating grass or like oh we're not hunting because there's no ducks to even have a shot at yeah for real man it's i told my friends that and the group i hunt with we i said we've hit the bottom i said it's either going to go up or it's going to be the same it won't get any worse (laughs) i said it and i said like the year before that because it was pretty poor too i said it can't get any worse well it did and now I, i don't think there's anything left to go down on so Hopefully, you know, maybe this year, maybe something happens. Yeah, we have to have winter, man. It uh, it never got cold. We never, you know, we had that first week in November where there was like in the central, I don't know if you guys got it as far over as you are, but in the central flyway, we had a, a pretty good cold front that pushed in a lot of birds right at the very beginning of season. And then we didn't have another real front until the big snowstorm in Arkansas and all that stuff after season even closed. Yeah, we uh, we didn't get any of that. <laughs> we got we got some snow on Christmas and that was pretty cool, but 
Seducks didn't think so because they weren't participating with that. I don't, I'm not real sure what happened. I think we just, Tennessee may have closed its border, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, did, oh, man. Did you travel anywhere to try to, or is it, I mean, it was yeah. so poor, it would have been a waste of time, but. Uh, yeah, I went out to West Tennessee a little bit, and it was still pretty poor out there. I went up to around up there, and actually met a, a guy, I think you said you've, you've talked to him, or know him, or friends with him, maybe, uh, you met Eric, hadn't you? Eric Ostevich. Oh, yeah, I've never met Eric Ostevic. I was supposed to, and he came down when I was freaking working all week. But, uh, yeah, I was talking to Eric earlier today. He's a good dude. Yeah, I met him out there, and we didn't, we didn't go hunting. We were just hanging out and shooting the breeze, and uh, Ben Chuck was there, too. And I learned a lot from them, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, those are both two really good guys. Yeah, man, they're, they're, they're fun. They're real fun. I'm really dreading a, a picture Eric's got of me. Uh, that he made I don't know if you've seen some of the memes or not memes just like photoshops he's made they're terrible uh uh oh yeah if you ever made him feel fine you'll get one well what what's the story behind it oh I don't know I was we were sitting there talking at this Mexican restaurant and I was telling him about my friend who traps a ton of beavers and I said uh yeah I want to get him to make me some some beaver chaps just to be stupid <laughs> like with the hide on them and the hair just to have <laughs> and he thought I don't know what he thought but he loved it and he took my picture and put it on this just awful awful looking photoshop of <laughs> <laughs> this guy and some chaps oh man nice I really hope he doesn't listen to it and listen to this and post it because it's just bad <laughs> Eric listen to this oh yeah Eric listens to this all the time no, not. Because I give him a uh, a name drop almost every other podcast. Well, he's got another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that means he's probably going to post the picture if we're all fortunate enough to see it. Um, oh, man, I want to report it probably. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, uh, you know, with it being so bad last year, is that when you got back into the geese? Because like I said, I listened to it, you know, right before we started, and you were talking pretty anti, anti-local <laughs> geese. Uh, I see. What did I go? No, <laughs> no. I just I pretty much went and worked a little bit, and we eventually found like a tiny little group of ducks and shot into them, and I ended up with a band out of them. So I was pretty happy about that. That's about all I did. Dang, dude. Well, that's uh, you, getting a band on a season like last year, like it makes it almost okay. <laughs> it was. Yeah, almost okay. That's that's how I'd say it. <laughs> I yeah. meant in general because you're talking about going scouting for geese. Is uh the season? You know, we had so few ducks last year. Like, if our resident geese all of a sudden disappeared, I would probably get back into ducks a lot more. Even though you know they're not as thick as they once were. Like, is that kind of the concept that got you back into the geese? Yeah, pretty much. That's that's how I've done it past few years. Anyhow, it's pretty much whatever's here I want to hunt it I want to go I've got the stuff to do it and you know I just like like going out and hanging out with my friends anyway so I mean I don't want to try and find something to do <laughs> right right well and I remember that you said you were a, a bigger turkey hunter in the beginning anyway did you have any luck doing that or is it oh yeah we, we've always got turkeys <laughs> always got turkey well it wasn't it 
I can't remember this spring or if it was last spring, but it was a super goofy where the spring started super late because it was this spring because it was so cold so late. Yeah, yeah, it didn't matter. I went, I think, I went three times, four times. I went and we killed every time I went, and everybody with me killed. So it was, it was pretty easy. They're just, I don't know. That's one thing we do have, I guess, to make up for ducks. We have, we have the turkeys everywhere. Yeah, man, it's just. It helps with their thick like that. Like, uh, you know, it's kind of like, how can you not turkey hunt? Yeah, they're, they're, there's a bunch of them, and there's a bunch of young ones. <laughs> that makes it really easy. It's pretty fun, honestly. I mean, hey, if there's more money in turkey calls, I could probably, I'd probably turn a bunch of them. <laughs> I was going to say, man, that's, uh, I mean, you can do turkey calls that are, uh, are pretty crazy and build that niche. Like, um, I don't know if you know Jesse Jefferson or not, but uh, he was started off. I sold him when I first got out of call making a couple years ago when I had a little year hiatus. I sold him a lot of my stuff, and he had just started tinkering around with a couple of duck calls, and I think he put out, I don't know, four or five duck calls, different shapes, you know, trying to find his way at that point in the game, and then he started doing turkey calls. And uh, that dude went from, you know, tinkering around with a few duck calls to, like, having a two- or three-year-long waiting list for turkey calls in, like, a matter of six months. It was yeah, man. insane. He's the one that's been doing, like, what do you do, like, a couple of years ago? It was, like, a dinosaur bone or something, or it was something crazy. It was, like, a fossil for, like, a plane surface. It was, it was crazy. I really thought it was pretty neat. I thought I actually made one that same year. I thought what I did was neat, but it wasn't as neat as that. <laughs> <laughs> you you did the turkey call. You, so you do make turkey calls too? I haven't got that. No, no I don't make turkey calls. Uh, okay, I don't tell okay. Anybody, I make turkey calls. <laughs> oh man, no, I had uh, I had a couple of turkey calls. I think I made one pot call put in it because I wanted to try and do it before I saw anybody else do it. It was just like do like a witty style, like acrylic laminate. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did, and it turned out really good. And yeah. Really? Yeah. Dude. Those that is one of my favorite things that you do and you're one of the few guys to really, really you know, there's some guys who do a lot of good laminates and like Ron Davis is a really good buddy and you know, obviously he's a beast with laminates. But uh the the Wiedemann style that you do in acrylic, dude, you're one of the guys that does that the cleanest uh, that is my my favorite calls that you make are those yeah man those are those are really fun all of them and i mean they're they take a little bit of time <laughs> the, the one i did for the nwtf like i don't know was it i guess it was last year it had like 130 or 40 pieces to it that took forever dude i swear i think it took me 20 something hours or something to put it together and turn it it was ridiculous well and it's like yeah. you wouldn't even make the blank for $20 you know <laughs> like holy oh, crap no 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 I was scared to death on that turkey call like I don't know if you've ever tried to put acrylic laminate on a turkey call before but I mean it's scary when it's in a, a call like a duck call blank and a turkey call blank it's like I was just waiting to just get hit right in the like 
jugular or something and fall over at any minute because it was just sketching me out like crazy because they're not completely round because it's something I you're doing my hand so when you're rounding them off it's just it's one of the scariest things ever it's, it's scarier almost almost as scary as like four dot honestly well, was, I, I clenched up on both of those hard. <laughs> yeah, Fordite makes your butt pucker just because you know how expensive the freaking blank is and you're just dumping CA every couple oh passes. Gosh. Yeah, dude, that stuff, I, I really like it. And I wish it would just, I don't know if I'm just getting like the old stuff. It's, and it's supposed to be more brittle, supposedly. And it's, I, it turns out good, but it scares me every time I turn it because I'm like, yeah it uh, it you just never know and it's like you start getting a small little like void in it or something like that and it just starts you know chipping and you're like oh god i don't want to lose this blank and i don't want it to get too shallow to where i lose you know my yeah. shape that i'm even going for so I found I figured out that if you turn your weight up just a little bit, it helps with it. It seems to cut a little bit better. Like when you're starting to do your finishing work, it seems it, it like it cuts it a little cleaner too. Because I don't know if you noticed, like it'll have little bust outs in it mm-hmm. on around the corners. Yeah, that that helps a little bit. Just turning it up a lot. I don't know if I pegged it out, but it was pretty close. I know <laughs> I had it higher than what I usually turn out. See, I turn freaking wide open all the time anyway. you're you're another guy who's done something that uh you know i've done channing's done um alan graves has done is that surf fight and that stuff dude that talk about stinking up the whole freaking shop it smells so horrible it's more brittle than fordite and there's so many voids and crap in it that you just never know where the bubble's gonna be at I think I got a pretty solid piece because it turned really nice. I think I only had like a couple of chip outs and they weren't even serious. But yeah, that was a. Uh, I, I got it from Timmy Donaldson, I believe, and he's he said, yeah, it's it's about like four dot, but sometimes it's it's a little different. And I said, okay, so I just went at it like it was like a resin blank from like there too. pretty tight. Yeah, <laughs> that's not how it turned. Honestly, it wasn't it wasn't too bad on me. Ugh. It takes it take some time. I don't know what. Like I said, I still have freaking three pounds of it sitting out in the shop because uh, I just got a big couple bricks of it. But man, it is. Uh, it just create the smell of it. It is. <laughs> you know, it smells like you're working at a freaking surfboard shop. Like there's just resin everywhere. It's dirty, but it looks cool. Oh yeah, dude. I think it's one of the coolest looking things like that. Just because it's got some of that like transparent stuff in it, and you know I'm gonna get transparent paint, so I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, dude, it's super cool. Um, the story of uh, who was the first person you saw do it? The first person I saw do it, I think it was Channing. Okay, so the story was is I'm laying in bed one night and I follow a guy on Instagram. It's Zebrano Woodcraft. He's this British guy that makes uh, rings. And uh, he made this ring out of surfite. And I was like, oh, this is cool stuff. I've never seen anybody use it. It was right when Brad and everybody and their brother, you know, Brad did that first uh, Fordite call that I saw, or maybe it was Josh. I can't, I think Josh did it first. Brad, maybe. I, 
doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I everybody started doing it, and I was like, man, I want to find something different. And I saw that, and I was like, holy crap! And I sent him a screenshot. I was like, you ever seen one out of this before? He's like, no. So I went on like a two-hour trying to find it. You couldn't find any blank big enough for it. And I was like, ah, oh, you probably have to call a surfboard company or something, you know, to figure it out. And then like two weeks later. Channing post that one up and I was like, I guess you found one, didn't you? He was like, Oh yeah, I ended up running one down. <laughs> and then uh I did one and I had like three or four different messages and guys were like, Yeah, I've done them before. They're pain in the butt. Yeah, I do. I know exactly what I was talking about. Searching for two or three hours. Whenever I I went on times like that and just I'll look for something new to turn, you know. And I end up in the just the weirdest places. I found a, a if you want to buy it, I'll tell you where it's at. It's a, a Norwal tusk. Yeah, no. It's $20,000. Jesus. <laughs> there you go. Chan in Korea. I know you like to buy expensive stuff. Yeah, I, they, that, would be, that would be the sickest call ever, though, honestly. Yeah. yeah, that'd be wild, but it would stink to high heaven, and my luck is you would get almost all the way done, hit a rotten spot, and just freaking blow out. Oh, dude. That, oof. That'd be a rough deal, man. That's always my, like, greatest fear when I'm turning something that's just really, really nice. And, you know, it's an expensive blank. You've got, you know, inlays in it. you got tips. you got all this different stuff. And you're like, I hope everything goes good in this because I'm going to be real upset. Dude, I've, I've, I've done good at walking all that out for the past few years. I'm glad you're bringing it back up for me to think about. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You're just like, oh, I just got to turn it. Right. It's not so bad, or you'll get one that's like almost finished, and then you'll go to throw it in the jig and cut it, and you're like, oh, man, no. I, I really hope this is centered. I really, really hope this is centered. And, you know, you do the little pencil trick and all that good stuff, and you get it, and it's just not. You're like, God dang it, it freaking walked on you while drilling or something. Yeah, I turn my lathe all the way down, just go at it like a... Sometimes if I think it's going to be going goofy, I'll put it like sixteenth of an inch at a time if I have to make sure it doesn't do that. Yeah. I hate it whenever that happens. Man. You can tell it the first time it touches, too. As soon as that freaking bit touches the insert and you can just feel that slight, you're like, oh, son of a gun. Have you used a, like a, I call it a counterboard. I don't know if it is or not. But if you do that first, most of the time it cleans that up. It just centers the hole back up most, most of the time. Are you talking about like... <laughs> Like over drilling, like drilling with a bigger bit. No, it's it's, it's a smaller bit. I don't know what it. I'm not really sure the name of it. <laughs> um, dang it! I don't know. It's used before you tap a lot, like in, in like machining. I think you'll send it in and just do like a little bit to start the hole. Um, like a, just like, um, uh, what the hell kind of bit is that? Where the only, uh, cutting surface is right at the tip of the bit. And it's almost uh, like a masonry kinda. bit, kind of. Yeah, sort of, kind of. That sounds kind of close to it, I guess. <laughs> but it, that's, hey, I'll send a picture of it to you later. But yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what I use a lot before I start drilling like a time channel. Yeah. Okay. It comes out straight 90, I'm walking on my table here, 90%, 95% of the time it's straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It's, you know, it's one of those things that's like, you never even think about it because it works 
every freaking time you're good to go um what i like doing is when i'm edging everything up to get ready to drill is i'll take the corner of the uh of the skew chisel whatever that you're using and i'll just start just a tiny hole yeah. as it's spinning that usually gives you a pretty true center but it's that one time if i have something that i know is like I only have one shot at this. Like, if you're just doing an African blackwood insert that you can, oh, it doesn't work out. I can just throw a new one on here. But if you have something that's like, I have nothing left of this material. I had enough for the barrel, the insert. I got inlays. I'll go buy just a new bit. I'm like, I just, I want this thing to be clean. I want it first pass. I don't want to have to freaking do what, uh, did you see samples posting a video the other day of him uh, drilling out the uh, half inch hole for the tone board and just, uh, having the insert already so where you could just slot you know turn another uh tendon down and glue it back up uh i don't know if i saw it or not have you ever had uh, to do I it I yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say that's the worst i hate it oh and my shape is so freaking thin right there where uh you know the, yeah. the insert meets the uh, barrel that it's like oh man there's not much material here they uh, yeah i was having i was screwing around with a freaking cut down That's how I find so many projects in life go, and it applies to us as call makers, but I've met other people that do different things. It's, you might do a hundred, but then you'll catch that one that for some reason, no matter what you do, every single thing that could go wrong on that son of a gun is going to go wrong. Like, no matter how much you, you're like, oh, okay, I had this little void. I'm going to go ahead and fill it in, fix it, do that. See, fill it in, fix it, get all that stuff done. And then, uh, you know, something else happens. You find a crack later on. You're like, son of a... So you freaking take it all down, and you're like, all right, is this repairable or not? Fix your freaking crack. And then you'll get a little bit further down, and it's like, well, and now the tone channel, you know, drilled slightly goofy. You're like, what in the... Is going... And you just hit, throw it all away, and you're like, okay, well, we're not doing this one. Yeah, pretty much. That's how I felt on that one. I was like, I told the guy, because I told him that was a prototype anyway, that he wanted to try it, and I was like, all right. And it didn't work out, and I was like, well, man, I'm just going to have to make it up to you. Because he sent me the blank, too, and I was like, dang it. That's, that's, uh, so, I don't know that guy I now. He's, that's the worst, too, is when they send you blanks for stuff. Yeah, when it's a prototype, and that was, but, I don't know. I'm going to try it again, I guess, pretty soon. Probably all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm bumming off of, uh, Colton Thompson, he sent me a flat jig to borrow while I was messing around with this stuff. Yeah, that was a couple months ago. <laughs> I still owe him. Still sent it back to him. But on the bright side of that, I did I did get a call out of it. I sent off early day. So hopefully that'll come back pretty soon. Is this for um, a uh, custom J-frame or a custom uh, cut-down tone? It's, it's a J-frame. It's just a... Nice. It, yeah, it's, it's one pretty sweet. I haven't really told any... Besides some 
Gaza hunt with, really, or shot part eleven period either. But it's uh, it's pretty mean. To be honest with you, I hope it hope it turns out pretty good. I let Wade will probably email me while we're talking and say this this thing's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and try again. No, that's a that's awesome, man, and. That's one of the things I noticed is uh, you were pretty busy last year, pretty busy before that. And then it was like you had a little lull for a while. I don't know if it was just because you weren't posting on social media. But now it seems like you're just turning out calls like crazy again. So, yeah, I was I was working, man. And it was I was working a lot. And I just had poor time management. And it's, whenever I got home, I was like, well, I can either sit here and hang out for a minute and then hang out a minute hanging out a minute would turn into watch TV and next thing I know it's too late to go mess with calls and you know but then I started back you know doing my own kind of thing I was like well I guess it's time to get back in it because I never wanted to stop doing it but you know it just kind of happened and but now I'm just as fired up as I ever was about it you know Did, I'm just glad to be back in it that's absolutely perfect man that's my uh everybody can understand the whole life happens especially if you're working a ton and you're like man i could either sit down and relax for five minutes today or you know the hour today or i could go get dirty and uh exactly. you know get sweaty and freaking not spend time with the significant other kid dog whatever it is and uh you know, but it seems like when you have that little bit of time away, the the spark gets reignited when it you finally do it again. Oh man, for sure. I was, and I kind of knew I was gonna have a lot of time at the start of this year, and that's why I kind of didn't take any orders, so I didn't have to. So nobody was really waiting on me, and I still got. Honestly, I think I have one guy that's been waiting forever, and I really need to do it. And it's not even not. It's like a really simple call. I just haven't. I haven't got to <laughs> it's pretty bad but that's I, I finished up most of them and opened it back up and you know I'm just there's, there's some of them I want to do that are going to be you know if you ever have one that you just it's going to be awesome when it's done <laughs> <laughs> every one of them <laughs> <laughs> no 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 not all of them this one it's going to be awesome but it's going to be it's going to be something to do that's for sure <laughs> Yeah, those are uh, my least favorite, where somebody will come at you with just an absolutely crazy idea. You're like, dude, that sounds sweet, but that sounds like a nightmare to put together. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's, uh, that's about what it's going to be, pretty much. Especially when you're, you're riding just a wood lathe. It's going to kind of rough. <laughs> yeah, that's it's one thing, man, I've never... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's one of those things that I've never dove into is getting a metal lathe. And right now, I just don't really have the space for it. But yeah, I know it would make everything so much easier. Oh, for sure, man. I, I turned that full aluminum call and on that wood lathe, and I was like, this would have been a lot better if I could have just got it closer to size with a metal lathe first. But oh well. Does it not get hot as hell? <laughs> are you keeping a bucket of water next to you and just like dunking the the well, tool into it uh actually i spray uh or my uncle he does a lot of machine work he gave me some cutting fluid and i used a ton of that i used like a whole bottle of that oh, and then God. i got to where i was using transmission fluid <laughs> everything i could to cool it down oh so okay so you turn it off and spray it down like you're doing uh, a drill bit or something pretty nice it, it was slow but 
I mean, at some at one point, I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to let it get as hot as I can get it and <laughs> just keep turning as much as I can because I can turn quite a bit. I was using carbide tools, you know. But, yeah, they were getting... I was going to say, how many tips did you go through? Oh, uh, I haven't replaced tips on them things since I got them. <laughs> Are you serious? Dude, my square carbide cutter, uh, that was the first tool, uh, carbide tool I ever got. And that thing is like three years old at least. <laughs> it's never changed. Does it look like a freaking octagon with all the tips broke off? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I need to buy another one. Something serious that's so well. Well, and that's one of those things, man, that anytime you get a new carbide tip is like, oh, work on a project that's not acrylic because you're going to blow yeah. it up because that pressure, you forget how little pressure a sharp tool takes. Yeah. I, I like turning acrylic sometimes, except for when it wants to be stupid. Sometimes, you know, with a pretty dull tool, you can put a bit of pressure on it. Oh, yeah. However you want. I'm kind of scared to do that now that you say that <laughs> <laughs> with a new tool. Thanks again, man. You're, you're scaring me back out of it. You're <laughs> right. Me again another year. Uh, I wouldn't use any of those laminated ones. I can tell you that much. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, I usually, I'll do like one or two, and then I'm like, well, that was a lot of work. <laughs> I guess I'll do another one in about six months. It's been about six months, so I'm about to probably do another one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love the way it looks. Yeah, it's one of those projects that you're like, you know, you can, uh, hang your hat on for a while you're like all right i made this super awesome one you know like the guys who just keep doing everything like channing is a guy that we bring up all the time but that dude like instead of just doing one carve call he's like all right i'm gonna do carve calls for the next six months and then he gets out of that and he's like all right now i'm gonna do checkering for six months and it's like <laughs> dude make a regular duck call and and work that stuff in but uh, that guy is ridiculous with that stuff. Yeah, he can have it. <laughs> no, I'd I love to start carving more. But, you know, when you just have a little bitty Dremel, <laughs> your carving don't look that great. You can just do a couple feathers here and there. I call it carving, so that works out. Yeah, right. But, yeah, that's like the same thing with that aluminum call. I was like, I gotta make, I know what I have to do now. I have to make a brass one to match it. So, a couple months back, I bought some brass for it. And it's still sitting out there looking at me. <laughs> it's probably going to sit out there a little bit longer, to be honest with you. Yeah, I feel real unmotivated. Oh, uh, I get it. But it'll be sweet when it's done, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's cool, man. I'm glad you're uh, you're back to getting into it, man. And congratulations on, on starting the uh, business because it gives you a little more a little more freedom, man. Oh, yeah, that's... that's... I'm really looking forward to it. It's all. It's gonna be nice. It's gonna have have hopefully some new stuff, that new call coming, and I think I think people are gonna really like it. Honestly, hell I really yeah. like it. <laughs> hell yeah! Are you? Uh, did you enter Easton or any of the other contests or anything? No. <laughs> uh, I really want to honestly go to Easton. I'd really like to try and compete a little bit. That's like, I mean, somebody's got to win last place, I guess. <laughs> As a duck caller or a goose caller? Oh, definitely a duck caller. My goose calls are subpar. My goose calling is subpar. So we'll just. <laughs> You're like, can you run a goose call? I'm like, I have a flag. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like a jerk rig, man. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you over there swinging that thing? Yeah, yeah. I'm 
call, man. <laughs> I'll put you a real nice collar around your neck, but you're going to hold this jerk string right here. It's not going to have a read in it, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's always the way they go. I had a, uh, there was a meme I saw a, lot, a while back that was like, tag your favorite collar or something like that, and it had a picture of the guy with the flag or some shit. <laughs> That's that's what a lot of people need to do. I, honestly, it works just as good half the time. I just like blowing the calls because I make them. <laughs> yeah, it um, you know, I find that uh, I found that the more calls, you know, the longer you obviously the longer you do it, it sounds really stupid. The longer you do it, the better calling you get. But uh, man, I can always tell when it's when I'm it's in the middle of summer or something like that it's too hot to make calls how my muscle memory and all that type of stuff will just go to the crapper because I haven't been messing with calls for three or four months at a time and uh you know then season comes back around and it's like oh crap I uh I wish that I was still doing it all summer instead of you know building calls up until July then stopping for six months yeah I mean I don't know I don't I wouldn't call it conditioning, but I, I just love, like, blowing calls. And so I'll just pick one up almost every other day and just be blowing as hard as I can on it. Just to, I don't know. Just because I like to think about duck season, like, yes. <laughs> and uh, that's just, that's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think most people that really like to call are going to be doing it all the time. And cause I, I mean, I think I told you this before, but I talked to, I was, I was somewhere, and Domingo was there, and he was like, yeah, it was a six-hour drive, man. I blew a call all the way here. I said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it was an eight-hour drive. That's that's about where I'm at. I, I could probably blow it and not get tired of it. I don't mind blowing it myself, but listening to it at a contest for, like, five, six hours, uh, it, yeah, it nah, gets a little repetitive. Yeah, maybe not that. I've never been to a, a big contest. I'm in some co-op, you know former co-op contest <laughs> crap like that <laughs> but nothing, nothing serious I really I really do want to try it though because it looks like a lot of fun what uh what style of duck calling would you like are you wanting to do a main street style or a live duck or meat duck like what one interests you the most well I mean I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of me but I'm, I'm pretty skinny so I can't hold a lot of air <laughs> so main street is kind of hard for me to be honest with you um, I'd probably be more I'd really like to do um, like live duck and stuff like that I think that's that's what I like to, I call it sound like so that's what I'd like to try you know yeah yeah I think that that and the the meat version of it are becoming the most popular for sure in the uh, the calling circuit and uh, I just think a lot of guys feel the same way that they're like hey I blow a duck all the time I think I could slap together you know, a meat routine. That live duck, man, is something completely different. Did you have you ever watched like uh, Seth Fields or anybody do it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's on YouTube and says live duck, I've watched it. I, I mean, I think it's awesome that people can sound just like them. That's what I'm trying to do anyway. You know, uh, but I think there was a. I don't know if you're on the. Are you on the? It's like a contest calling page. Yeah, yeah. They had a they had an online last year, and I was I did that. That was pretty fun. So I really like to try it first, honestly. Yeah, it's a it's such a unique style that's so cool because it. I'm sure there's routines you know built into it, but watching like a two man live where it just sounds you know so sporadic, 
like a you know like an actual refuge of ducks just hanging out and that's the idea it's uh where the other ones are so structured and uh, yeah. you know it just is somebody getting up there and playing the routine and who can do it the best but that live duck is so interesting and uh i don't know man it's a it's a really cool one you should definitely jump into it yeah if i can convince my, my wife to go to maryland with me <laughs> <laughs> and, and leave, leave the south down here for a, a weekend I'll, I'll definitely do it I, it's definitely a goal not to get up there and do it so hopefully that'll be in the near future yeah for sure man i there's got to be one closer than that too <laughs> Uh, Maybe not this season, but yeah, no, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any in Tennessee. Did um, was the uh, the Squad Fest? Did they have a live duck, or was it just meat? I can't remember. I want to say I think I saw it. It was just meat. Yeah, but that's that's still like a what is in St. Louis, and that's like seven eight hours from here. Good lord, you guys are so far over there. I forget about that. You're north of Chattanooga, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You guys are ways. Yeah, it's uh, it's either I can you know drive seven eight hours up to St. Louis, or I can drive seven eight hours and be in uh, the beach. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, in the heat of summer. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a toss up there. <laughs> yeah, it's convenient for sure to be uh, halfway to the beach. Is I would rather go to the beach than go to a calling competition, even as a <laughs> as a hunter, because I know that I'm not going to the beach nearly as often. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I, I love it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty nice. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's not a bad job at all. It just we usually we like to leave out, you know, pretty early and get there midday. That's usually how it turns out. It's pretty nice hang out on the beach for half a day and then go check in you know yeah but, uh, yeah um yeah i mean i'll say that uh, i wouldn't like to go to a main street and try one one day i mean i'd love to have a you know a tennessee state champion something that'd be kind of cool <laughs> yeah and that's one of the things i was talking about um you know uh, for a few different podcasts now is what uh trevor and stump were talking about on instagram the other day and they were talking about main street and meat and all this different stuff for competitions and uh i mentioned it uh on the last podcast i did the other day um with uh rodney hill and i was like dude it's such a regional thing because if you don't have the contests around you kind of like where you're at you know, I'm in Missouri. I could go, you know, five hours of me in Stuttgart. I could go three hours St. Louis. I've got Rogers two and a half hours away. Like, the biggest contests in the United States, aside from Easton, are all right here. But, uh, if, and that's still a long way for me to want to drive to do some, you know, for me to drive three hours somewhere to, uh, obviously that's the event, but to learn. And, cause you really, really have to study to get good at, uh, especially Main Street. And it's oh, like, yeah. you know, I think Echo is the closest real big shop like that that teaches, and that's still four hours away from me. It's like, I can't do four hours, you know, even once a week I couldn't drive four hours. I just don't have that type of time. Yeah. And you have to have that regional area and contest and that atmosphere to really, I mean, not that people can't. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have done it that live in the middle of nowhere, but it's one thing about contest calling is it's so regional and uh just to have that ability and the opportunity i guess is the word i'm looking for yeah 
Because you're talking about having to drive eight hours to go to a contest, you know? Not any yeah. contest, but the contest you want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely not anybody around my area within, you know, four hours that could tell me how to do a Main Street contest and be successful. Yeah. I mean, I think the, only per- the closest person that I'm aware of, maybe, well, no, there, is a, there was a guy from, like about an hour away that won the Tennessee State but I don't know who that guy is <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, I guess um, I think I think Colton's like four hours four and a half hours away maybe and he's won Alabama so but that's about the only other person I can think of there's there's not too many uh, Main Street guys around this area for sure but I was gonna say you know four hours even to get to somebody like Colton's Dude, that's such a long ways. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds. And, and it's, it's Alabama, so you know. <laughs> oh, there you go. It, like I said, it sounds like you, you know, complaints, but it's still such a long ways to go and try to. <laughs> if you said that you were going to teach somebody to play baseball, but you could only travel four hours three times a week to go learn for an hour, you're like, well, I guess I'm not playing baseball then. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, kind of it. Unless I can figure it out on my own, you know. But, <laughs> Oh man, um, I, I tell you what, there's all right, I haven't paid too much attention to Facebook a whole lot, but and you may have heard up, may not have. So if you put up a or have thoughts of doing that uh, call build off again, I thought that was the coolest thing. I wish I was done it now after I saw what it was. I, I have was not. Sweet. I have not announced a new one. I was gonna wait until they wrap up with um, the Call Nuts Classic again, and then think yeah. about doing another one. I like that head-to-head build-off and where you run your own routine just yeah. to be different. Yeah, I didn't... I can't remember. I was getting really busy at the time that it started, I want to say, and I did, didn't get to that. But I think... I mean, it, I think it looked really fun. It looked like a, a lot of really cool things were built. A lot of really cool things were built, and a lot of guys got a lot better at calling as it went on. And I can tell you that Mingo is not going to be in to defend his title this next time. I think I'm going to have a win and you're done type situation for it and maybe get him to help with uh, some judging if he has time or Corey again. I don't know. I haven't put a lot of thought into it, but I know that uh, I'm going to give some call makers because there were a lot of guys who didn't want to enter because they knew that Mingo was going to win that sucker, so they didn't even play. But uh, I know I, I plan on doing it again and uh, – I'm going to wait for them to wrap up the call in this classic and get back in, but I will definitely let you know. Heck yeah. Yeah, man, I'd love to do it. Um, yeah, I hate, I, I signed up for that, the call in this classic, but I did not, didn't, didn't find the time to send one in. <laughs> That's kind of how I was, man. The, uh, the time frame that it was and what I had going on, I just, hell I was out of town for a week and then we had a bunch of guys that like got let go at work. So I was working a ton of overtime I was like, dude, I just don't have, it's almost an excuse. I was like, I don't have the time to turn. Yeah, I have the time to turn one call, but I still have normal calls that I have to turn, you know. <laughs> it, yeah. I don't have time to turn an extra one at the moment, but it, I could I could have found the time, but it was one of those things. There was like, I just got other stuff going on, and I don't want to half-ass slap something together. Yeah, dude, last year, I think it, yeah. it was last year when I first did it. I, I messed around and didn't have one ready and I just took the one off my lanyard and sent it in 
and it did really good. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's good stuff yeah, right there. I was like, man, that's uh, that's good to know. Uh, I'll just keep this one for next time. That's <laughs> why <laughs> I should be saying the same one. <laughs> that would have been rough. Hell yeah. Probably got, probably got ripped for that. Nah, nobody would even know. <laughs> nah, probably not, but oh well. <laughs> well, buddy, I appreciate you jumping on here. Give me a little bit of time on your Saturday, brother. I look forward to see what you got coming out here in the near future. Glad you're doing it. Have a little more time to do it, I guess, again. Yeah. And uh, we'll get you back on here before another year passes for sure. <laughs> Yeah, man, for sure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, buddy. I hope you have a good day, man. Right, you too. All right, buddy. Take care. Yep. Yeah. Kyle Robbins, guys. A call maker out of Tennessee. He's looking to get into a little live duck calling. All that good stuff. Just got a new jig coming out. He makes crazy cool stuff. Go check it out. Um, yeah, he's Robbins Custom Calls. And uh, makes a really cool thing, man. So... Gonna check out and do this BTB head-to-head build-off again, I think. He brought it up. It's been in the back of my mind. Hasn't been uh, something up on the front, but it's definitely not too far away. Check out the Call Nuts Classic. Um, Call Lounge always has good stuff. Check out any of the great call makers we've had on here. If you get want to get yourself a paperweight of a duck call, check out Unstable Calls. Follow along with BTBN, and uh, have a good one. See you guys.